Hey everybody, welcome back to Forbidden Cinema. Hello. We are rested. We've taken a little bit of a vacation. Actually, the vacation was exhausting. But, <laughs> but it was a ton of fun. Ton of yes. fun. Welcome to Forbidden Cinema. I'm Jenny. I'm Zach. And if you haven't caught us before, we uh, are delving into the movies that were forbidden, um, whether that was for language, violence, or sex, or whatever it happened, or religious beliefs, or who, who knows, it just our parents weren't in the mood that night. Let's be completely um, honest. We're from Nashville. It's probably going to be sex. Maybe language, but probably Well, sex. that's tied. Anyway, I was trying to make a short, succinct thing as to what we do, and now that's not. All right. Um, didn't even <laughs> hey. get through it. So Forbidden Cinema, we're watching movies that were forbidden at the time, and did they really hold up? Like, some of the movies that we've been waiting to watch our whole lives and just kind of got put in the back burner, like, did it hold up? And some things we've seen, and we just wanted to revisit and see, you know, maybe what our parents saw. All right, so this week we did Adventures in Babysitting. Yes, lots of fun, lots of fun. 1987, a very early PG-13 movie. Okay, yeah, so that would have been right after, because what, 84? 84, I think, yeah, yeah, Red Dawn. So there were not a lot of PG-13s out right now. I would have been six or seven when this movie came out. So this would have been definitely a movie where parents could be like, no, it's PG-13, you're not old enough. This would have been before there was even a, you know, a like, well, why not? You know, Right, like that just puts in the line. So just a completely like funny aside. So our nephew, who is four, even though his parents put on his Christmas list, I and mean, we have an, an app for Christmas lists, we got him some laser tag guns because that's what he wanted. Or maybe that's what my brother-in-law wanted. I don't know. That's, possibly yeah, it's probably a brother-in-law wanted. A and B. Um, and so he gets it, you know, excited to see him unwrap it. And he goes, oh, no, this little bitty adorable voice. He goes, eight plus. Because <laughs> I guess on the package it says for kids, eight plus. And that's that's their trigger. You know, when he wants something, they're like, sorry, buddy. It's for kids, eight plus. You can't have <laughs> Like we would it. buy that for you right now. But, you're but you can't. Young. It's not. We're not allowed. Uh, <laughs> and here we are buying this present for Christmas. And he's just so sad. It was the sweetest thing that ever happened. But yeah, I mean. PG-13, it's like, that's just a hard line in the sand, you know? I guess that's, is that one of the reasons why becoming 13, I mean, 13, you're now a teenager as part of the, you know, your age class, but uh, was that, that had to be part of our generation becoming a certain age too, PG-13 being a line in the sand. A little bit. I mean, there were still PG-13 movies I wasn't allowed to watch until I left the house. And True. So, I don't know. Maybe I never bothered to revisit them. I was just told no. And so I just assumed Then you that felt like, oh, well, now I'm 16. I'm way too old. You know, <laughs> now, now I'm setting my sights on R. <laughs> you know? What's this NC-17? <laughs> Surely that's better than R, right? right. That would be a, a real fun time. They're rarely very fun. What, NC-17? NC-17 no, no, yeah. NC-17 is usually very... usually pretty sad. Yeah, very adult, like in none of the fun ways. Well, maybe some of the fun ways, but it usually doesn't end well for everyone. <laughs> Real life consequences. So what's your history with this one, babe? Um, I'm going to be honest and, and say it's blurry. I know we wouldn't have seen it in a theater. I mean, we were, we were of the same age. We would have been, you know, six, seven years old. I remember watching it. I don't remember... I mean, I remember all the hijinks and all the stuff. And I, I was having the thought about this as we were watching it, that like as a kid, you're like, oh, wow, all this stuff is happening. It didn't feel as dangerous right now. Like watching it now, it gave me so much anxiety. I'm like, ah, all these things going wrong, all these like, you know, just everything that can go goes wrong. It just you feel it more as an adult. You really feel I don't know if I identified with Sarah and with Brad, never with Daryl. No one ever identifies with Daryl, um, but maybe less than with Elizabeth Shue. But I do remember watching it, but just remembering certain parts, like not really remembering the whole plot. I think I remember back to this movie, and I, th I I've probably said this a hundred times over the course of the time that we've been married and just the real like don't fool with the lords of hell is just <laughs> such a visceral moment of a, like there is something that i am not being allowed to hear right now <laughs> <laughs> right yeah so that would have probably been i Taped mean off of television you know my sister was huge into the babysitters club so this was her real thing right you know? yeah and so it was just taped off of television on in the background but there's a lot of stuff about playboy in here which i'm pretty sure is when my mother explained to me what playboy was oh she explained to you what playboy was yes, man yes. i wish i could have experienced that conversation like from somewhere else and watched it happen i would think she just said it was a dirty magazine and there were clubs where girls dressed like bunnies 
That's not enough. That's not enough. That's enough to just go, I'm intrigued. It was very much enough. To, well, I mean, like, at Bunnies? nine, it's just, ew, that's gross and dirty. You know, by 13, 14, then, okay, okay, you know. Well, but, like, even, I mean, I know you and the you as a kid, like, what does dirty mean? What, what do you <laughs> mean? Like, you would have asked so many questions and she would have no patience for it. Yeah, you could, you could probably say What kind that. of bunnies? Like, Bugs Bunny? Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> Like Roger Rabbit, like the Easter Bunny. <laughs> I mean, I have later on, like, just the list of all the things that happened. It's just like, really, how many things can happen in this movie? It's like, we have a flat tire. Well, first of all, friend Penelope and, and Miller, right? Penelope and Miller? Penelope right? and Miller, yeah, who later would be uh, in the movie Relic, which is part one of one of our favorite book series that we've read together for the last decade maybe yeah and only uh, got that one movie yeah which the main character of the book series is actually deleted from the movie yeah it's really really strange they really really put their dice on what's his face on tom sizemore, tom sizemore they, they really like, think he's gonna carry the franchise gonna get it. he's dependable <laughs> we know? don't we don't need to throw in this uh this old southern cajun louisiana maybe some hoodoo voodoo what type right. of uh of FBI agent. No, it we're played very well in audiobook out. form by uh, Rene Abergenois. And they're like, yeah, Rene Abergenois. He, he seems a little dicey. We're going to go with Tom Sizemore. He's dependable. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Brenda, friend, you know, runs away. So, that kicks us all off. But then. I've got before that, there's a lip sync opening in this. Oh, thing. I've got all that. I'm okay, gonna get, sorry. 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 Gonna... I'm going to roll back. I'm just saying, okay. like, of all the things that happened in this movie. Go, sorry. Go ahead. Babe. Yeah. Take it away. So, flat tire, carjacked, chop shop. Chased by thieves, rumble turf war, stabbed, and that's where I I, I stopped. And then, oh, then, you missed the the infidelity and gunshots. I mean, oh, I think that was that's even after all of that. <laughs> like it's just one thing after another. I mean, of course, then you know you're broke. That's that's one of the things. Like being broke, if if so many little things, if if technology was just a little bit different, all of it would have been different. Um, no, yeah. So tapping off on that, uh, you're broke. And if this is like very visceral or very depressing, you don't have to. Has there ever been a moment where you were so broke you didn't know how you were going to get home or you were really having to scramble or ever ever end up in a moment like that with a funny story? Not a funny story. Okay. No, I mean, I mean, there there have been definitely a couple of times where it's like, I have to get gas. I don't really have gas. There was a one time like I went to get gas and for some reason we were dating. For some reason I was like going to check my balance. I'm sitting in the car like I don't do that. I mean this is still like, you know, still early 2000s and I realized that my card info has been stolen and I don't have any money. Like I think you had to come and like pay for gas so I could go to the bank and report my yes. <laughs> You know, that's just, I mean, that wasn't funny uh, or, or anything, but I mean, there's definitely been a moment or two. Yeah. It's like, just don't. Yeah. Like I'm not sure how uh, I'm going to have enough gas to get home from high school. I guess I will. <laughs> I did have the one time where uh, Jenny had to move a couple of months before me uh, when I was still in school and her new job started, and we accidentally packed the only can opener and my cell phone charger. <laughs> so I am like just watching the battery on my cell phone slowly die. It just felt like a real moment in a horror movie, like when this <laughs> reaches zero. <laughs> That's it. And in the last 20 years, I have bashed open a can with a rock because I was hungry. <laughs> but... A decade before that, when I was just starting to drive, we ended up at the mall and all of a sudden realize this is I did not have a card at the time and I don't have any cash. Like my buddy, who would later be roommate, best man, Jenny's ex-boyfriend, and he doesn't have any money either. We don't exactly know how we're going to get gas to get home. And just so happens some lady's like, hey, would you like to do some market research and we'll pay you two dollars <laughs> each? That's four gallons of gas in, yeah, in 1996. In 1996, that was it went a long way. This was right when the Clinton Lewinsky scandal is going on, mm -hmm. and they showed us the trailer for the uh, John Travolta film Primary Colors. Right. And there's a lot of questions as does this? Do you think there's anything current events that might make this film seem slightly different, <laughs> or, or might make this film? resonate differently than maybe it would have before recent cultural events it's like uh yes 
which I don't think they released that movie for a couple of years after that. So, so you 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 had you had a hand in uh, John Travolta getting shelved for a little while. I did, I did. So sorry, John. Uh, He's doing from, all right. I know. He's doing. That's that's. Why he he no longer has wigs? He, I don't want to go that tragic, but he's maybe he's not doing that great. He's had a rough couple of years. But. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um, we're gonna st- we're gonna stay positive on yes, this one. Yes, yes, we are. This, this is a romp, right? <laughs> Even though it's not really, there are a lot of things. Um, but, but yeah, we did put like. We made a bucket because we have like the erotic thriller from the 80s bucket, the erotic thriller from the 90s buckets. We specifically took a ghost trap from Ghostbusters and filled it full of of positive and light movies (laughs) and picked that for this one. Like it comes out light, but it has some like it has a lot of weird stakes. Like they're all very strange. I don't know. Like, yeah, at no point would this group of people. This seventeen-year-old who we, we we always forget. They keep having to tell us that they think that she's seventeen because she doesn't come across as seventeen. Um, and there's no way at any point would seventy-five percent of this would anyone be able to handle. Yes, ne- negative. But so the beginning, which brings us back to her being very seventeen. It's a very cute opening. She's dancing and singing. There's a lot of dancing, which I have in my notes later on. This really prepped us to know that she would be able and ha- to handle singing the blues yes. uh, we knew she had it in her uh, to bring it out on stage but there's a lot of yeah a lot of dancing a lot of mixed dancing like a lot of little swim a lot of like sexy shoulder stuff like she's really into dude uh brad bradley whitford yeah <laughs> i've never like i said i probably haven't seen this movie since the two guys seemed old so that's the last time I saw this movie. Like the G boyfriend? Yeah, the Brad. No, Brad and Doug seemed old. Oh, the 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 teenagers. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the fifteen year olds. They seemed old the last time I saw this film. So yeah, I, I haven't seen it since then. But to think of Bradley Whitford as being like the hunk and the catch that is. <laughs> yeah, he's they, aged well though. He's still, he's you know. Oh yeah, it, isn't he? Um, he's uh, in the West Wing for like thirty for years forever, and then he's um. Andy Sandberg's dad in yes, uh, Brooklyn yes. Nine-Nine. He's great. He's great. He keeps losing his thumbs, <laughs> I think. I think that's his actual car, I read, looking at a uh, some trivia pages, because we weren't sure how much we were going to go on going deeper for this one. That is his actual car, like the actor's car, and that's his actual license plate that's at the time. That's amazing. I can't believe they d- <laughs> he did that. Uh, that. That's so funny. But it's just really interesting, I mean, because we find out later, I mean, obviously, like, he's not... He he winds up cheating on her, going to the the, the fancy French restaurant, <laughs> Le, Le Pot Bleu. Bleu. Uh, the, I'm gonna look up and see if that's still there. The Blue Pot. Okay, cool. But he doesn't he doesn't say like, hey, I don't want to go out with you. Like, hey, whatever. He still lies, and it's it's weird to choose to lie to someone when you're like, yeah, I'm not into her at all. Like, okay. Yeah, he he doesn't seem like he feels that she's worth the lie there at the end. No, not at all. It's it's a strange thing, but. Yeah, I just have so cool, which is his license plate. You know, the big Could they date. scream douchebag any louder than that license plate? And no. it's tough knowing that this is actual. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're like, oh yeah, like that's such a douchey thing. Like, like oh, would do that? we wouldn't have even come up with that. Like, oh man, that's hilarious. You came such in character. Thank you so much for really pulling out all the stops. Yeah, that's amazing. Thanks for your input. Um, and then I just have fashion, like all the fashion. She's really pretty cool and you know really kind of into that more molly ringworld vibe than just your traditional like kind of preppy girl vibe yeah i love that they brought in kind of the story about the coat too Mm -hmm. that you know because it was such a cool coat yeah but it didn't seem like something that just a young girl would wear at the time but it does at the same time because she's just you know she recognizes it for being cool she's put a brooch on it Mm -hmm. she's wearing this you know rainbow scarf she's wearing these cool red boots um, yeah, like, but she's traditionally pretty, you know, so much that she looks like the, uh, the centerfold Miss March <laughs> and that becomes a, a whole thing throughout the movie as well. But I love Sarah's obsession with Thor. She's way ahead of the times. Oh man. Oh, she is so, I mean, this movie was produced by Disney. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Like long before they would own <laughs> the Marvel comics and Thor and everything associated with it. Touchstone Pictures, I believe, was their, like, not children Got it. mainstream releasing, trying to be a, a real studio house. Yeah, so I guess this movie really was for probably that teenage, that younger teenage age group. Um, because I don't see – I mean, it, it's fun. I enjoy it. But, like, as a parent, I mean, I don't know. Like, 
Maybe it would, it would hold your attention if you're taking your kids to the movies. It held um, my attention watching it today. I don't know if it would if I'd never seen it as a child. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it was bad, but there were – it definitely – the pace was a little off, but, you know, that is what that is. I'm sure there's even more – uh, calamity that they cut. Uh. I don't know. It definitely feels like, though, this is a children's movie with a few things added in to make it not a PG or G movie. Mm-hmm. Seems like they really added in a couple F-bombs, added in some Playboy stuff and that really didn't fit, but, you know. I mean, the F-bomb stuff kind of fit because she's just like, really? Like, I'm not taking this anymore. Because earlier on, they're like, she's going crazy. She's going crazy. And she actually then does kind of go a little crazy. Yeah. And it, she's and like, it works. I'm going to take your knife. Don't. <laughs> oh, then I have like that. Yeah. Brenda starts all the trouble. Glasses and sweatpants. Is she the original Barb or is there a earlier archetype? Oh, I don't know. She might be the original Barb. I've not delved deep enough into John Hughes movies of the time. You know, Breakfast Club's really about as far back as I go. Uh, we, I think we're going to have to at least do a couple of maybe a 30 minute going deeper on this. And I'm curious as to who the original Barb archetype is. This could be it. It could be. I'm trying to think like really quickly, you know, sidekick friends. And it seems like a lot of the sidekick friends are actually cooler mm. um, than than some of the our uh, our heroines. Uh, it could be that would that would be interesting to see. I can't think of any. Um, but it's yeah, definitely that vibe. I mean, and she's just like immediately when you run away from home. I mean, it is the 80s, but like, why would you immediately like going? I'm gonna go to the bus stop. Without any money and without any money, figure it out, and then immediately like just panic, full tilt panic. <laughs> like I'm here, like well, I don't know. Maybe I was writing notes or something, but I don't feel like she let on enough that she was having trouble at home in their conversation. I mean, she said she hates her stepmother, and she talked about putting Drano in her tab. Yeah, I mean that's that's a lot. That's a lot. That's tabbed. It's, tab kind of tastes like it has Drano in it. it kind of does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if she'd notice, but. Yeah, it does seem super extreme, you know, and then she she gets into she definitely doesn't she's mirroring what we probably would have thought. We're like, OK, this is the trouble that you get into the city and then they have the real trouble that you get into the city. Like, it's so funny to me thinking about like Chicago and the suburbs being like so sheltered. But I guess maybe <laughs> in the 80s you were or you thought you were. You may have a couple things before this, but they're driving into the city and, and Sarah's oh, talking about the the building and she's like, that's where Thor lives. She's like, all the superheroes live in the city. <laughs> Spider-Man, Daredevil, Captain America, and Thor. Like, like I love that that's the hierarchy. Yeah, they're, they're, they're probably, there's probably some movie rights issues going on right then. Mm. So there's probably some stuff in limbo. There's probably certain things they could and couldn't say. Uh, I have that um, I'm way back before you. Uh, first of all, did you ever have skates that went over your shoes? No, I didn't. I had Fisher-Price ones, but never like actual roller skates. I well, feel maybe like we, I had Fisher-Price ones, actually, now that you're saying that, but no. I feel like we both missed out on having that kind of roller the skates. metal, yeah. Yeah, we, we grew up in the 80s when they just had the, you know, full-on skates that you could never quite lace up right and rent from the shoe, rent from the, the skating I don't rink. think I... I'm not sure if I ever had my own skates. Oh, I never had my own. You just rent them from the place. And the guy like sprays the stuff in them, like the bowling shoe stuff. And... Right, right, right. We used to go to the skate center actually quite a bit for a period of time. Um, I had my own rollerblades mm, later I down the too. line. Yeah, Hockey kind of became a thing there for a minute. I don't know what that was all about. Yeah, I don't know. But I did have my own rollerblades. I don't know what happened to them. So I have, there's a title card and it's our second musical number on the title card. Like we've already had a musical number, do some some mm-hmm. scene setting, and then we get our second musical number for the title card. This movie has so many great musical cues in it. It does. The music is fun. I did like kind of even write down, because we, we start and end with, and then he kissed me, which could be a Ronette song. Um, I, I, or the Crystals, or one of the, one of the 60s girl groups. It felt very similar to kind of the opening of, of Dirty Dancing. Yeah. Right, very much to Dirty Dancing. You know, and so I was thinking about, like, okay, would this have resonated with people at the time? Um, you know, why, why are we becoming so... Because I know, like, they had the 50s craze in the 70s with Grease, and I don't really, really remember there being, like, a movie or something that really pushed that way, but Dirty Dancing was kind of that time period. I mean, I guess the 60s. But then I also remember, like, we did a lot of 
Like I know like 50s day and poodle skirt day and did. stuff in elementary school. We did too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played Great Balls of Fire at the piano recital with my hair all slicked back and a uh, cassette tape rolled up in my pocket to like a pack of cigarettes. And... That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we had poodle skirts. My mom made us all poodle skirts and I had a I had a poodle skirt birthday party and yeah, we had like father-daughter dances for Girl Scouts that were like 50s like sock hop themed. So I don't know where that came from. So I guess it would have that. That was like my own circular thought too. Back to the future that did it. Oh, maybe that could be, that could be true. I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, we do spend some time. (laughs) Yeah. We do spend some time in the fifties. So I have Thor is a homo. Yeah. I went (laughs) rut row. I literally wrote rut row. (laughs) That's not going to age well. No, not so much. Yeah. The next thing I have is the bus station and we do not have, we would not get away with representing mentally ill and uh, people experiencing homelessness like that today. That, uh, boy, you know, you're watching a movie from the eighties. Yeah. And it's just weird. It's like, that's, Everybody that's there. I mean, people take the bus like in in Chicago, people take the bus to like actually go to other states and stuff like for legitimate reasons. We've I been mean, on mass transit in Chicago. It's not all full of crazy. There, there's some it, there's some crazy to be seen, but, you know. Yeah, for sure. But I also mean like there are legitimately people who took buses in the 80s, a gray line, a Greyhound bus or whatever going to if they were in Chicago going to he says Boise, Idaho, like <laughs> Like I don't even know why he mentions Boise, Idaho, uh, our uh, Joe Joe Gibb guy later, um, but that would have been a, a total thing. There would be people coming in and out of there that would have fit into the archetype of just being like people doing normal transit. I think not just a, a room full of weirdos with a gun and a lady stealing glasses and a guy who lives <laughs> in the phone booth and who knows. I do love that everybody is mean to her constantly, and for the most part. Everybody's really kind of nice to the babysitter and the kids. Like, besides the one, you know, weirdo old guy from, you know, Dr. Creep Sex Acupuncture guy. Or what? Well, he's a freak. Yeah. Besides from them, everybody's kind of nice to them in the city. Yeah, for the most part. I think, I don't know if it's it's what it, you put it, putting it out there. I mean, she just, Brenda is just hysterical the entire <laughs> time. And, like, nobody wants that. Yeah, we have the Playboy. And then just have, like... Teenage friends suck. Oh, man. You're talking about... Uh, oh, I'm talking about Daryl. Daryl. Daryl's the worst. And I just said, do you are you familiar with Anthony Rapp? Um, I, no, I just... The made, actor he, that plays him? It just makes me think of like that he wanted to be Anthony Michael Hall. Mm-hmm. For sure. Oh, I think they actually dyed his hair red so he wouldn't be blonde, so people wouldn't think they were trying to do Anthony Michael Hall. He, but he's movie. so Anthony Michael Hall. Like, he I just know. reads. Like, he's just like, the, you know, like, I, I'm super hyper, you know, have this weird confidence, this confidence that is not tracked anywhere. Like, I'm going to be able to pick up a chick. I'm going to be able to hang with the bros. Like, uh, no. I mean, he has a very distinctive voice for a child actor. Mm-hmm. He's one of the original cast for Rent. Oh, who would okay. then go on to play the character in revivals for decades? Okay, then I think I know who he is as an adult. Yeah, I can visualize. I just him. thought like that voice. You know, who would who would have thought? You know, <laughs> that that voice would sell so many records and so many tickets. Yeah, I mean, he seemed like a real piece of work. Well, then I also have like so. Okay, so he's sneaking in. He's just kind of gross. Like he's you know he's the friend who's basically they both blackmail her right you know which is like kids are the worst they just completely <laughs> suck but then so they're they're there and they're in the car they're you know but she's also being like really kind of mean too like she has a few moments where it's like okay that's that's a little extra you're only two years older than they are they're 15 they could watch a seven-year-old i mean at, at in the 80s a hundred percent in the 80s they could watch a seven-year-old. i did that i mean when i was seven you know my I would come home alone, you know, we'd just go down to the woods and build a raft and just, you know, be off doing whatever. Uh, yeah, when I was 15, I had sisters that were that age and even younger, and I definitely babysat them all. 15, yeah, my youngest sister would have been like three years old and 100% stayed home and watched them. Never got paid for it, though. <laughs> nope. And then so they get a flat tire 
And dude, is, that's what the thing is. He's just laughing. He thinks it's hysterical. And like, as a 17-year-old, like, first of all, you're breaking all the rules. And you can tell she's a rule follower. And it's like all that thing of like, it's, we're going back to risky business. Like, your your whole life is ruined. Like, you make one <laughs> choice and your whole life is ruined. Um, and then the dude comes and pulls up. And I was like, why is whistling so sinister? Like, he just seems so sinister. I said he looks like a character that Paul Shear would play now. <laughs> but like, I think Paul Shear's kind of handsome now. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. He's very handsome now, actually. I think today is actually his birthday. Oh, well, happy birthday, Paul. Yeah, him and June have January birthdays. June and I actually have the same birthday. Okay, then. Which is kind of fun. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's... I think, like, during the um, Anaconda era, he might have played this kind of character. Exactly. But, yeah, no, he's he's way more, he's way too handsome now for it. Um, but, yeah, the guy's like, I mean, she's, why is she telling a ghost story in the car while she's driving? That's weird. I know we needed to tie in the fact that this guy was going to have a hook and we needed to tie back to that, but it didn't work. <laughs> it was like, why? Why would we be telling a ghost story while you're driving? But that's the first time. He's just amused that these children have found themselves in this situation. Yeah. And he's completely like, I'm, I'm here to help. But, like, he probably has a moment that he found himself in many years ago. and Probably. That's how he lost his hand. Um, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, he's handsome John Pruitt. And he tells him his ha- there are his hands in the glove box, which is great. <laughs> Um, and then he ha- he's like, yeah, I'll, he's like, I'll get it. Like, I'll tow you. I'll pick up the tire. I'm like, how much were tires? I think my tires are like astronomical. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's just like randomly uh, offering to buy me a new tire. I thought 50 bucks adjusted for inflation. That I thought that was expensive. I, I really didn't think that my tires are not much more than that now, but I drive a POS. <laughs> you drive a smaller car though, but yeah, I mean, my tires are dumb expensive. I mean, I guess maybe. $50 then. I don't know what that that is inflation-wise. But um, then we have some tow truck drama. Like Vincent D'Onofrio, which is, spoiler, he is comes up later on. He's the owns the uh, the shop. And he calls uh, handsome John Pruitt on the, on the CB and says, car's out in front of your house again. <laughs> Wife's stepping out. And we go on a ride. I do love that handsome John Pruitt has the JP on the front of his truck. <laughs> yes. that's, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yes. So go for a ride. And so here's really where it all goes down. I mean, you get a flat. That happens. That's kind of a normal thing. You're where you shouldn't be. Um, that seems like that's probably what's going to happen to you. But now you've taken kindness from a stranger who is legitimately a nice person, but lives a different life than you do. And that, that's the beginning of all of this kind of, I'm in a different world. <laughs> you know, he's racing. He goes, he immediately jumps out with gun in hand. Well, first of all, he knocks over the lawn jockey. Oh, right, right, right. Which, like this is a Christopher Columbus movie. I don't know if we've mentioned that, that this is a Christopher Columbus movie basically teaching a generation of children what Playboy is. And then like later on, I'm going to make Harry Potter. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, but he, he knocks over the lawn jockey because you're talking about Home Alone. Yeah, they, they knock it over in every, it's just a constant trope in the Home Alone movies later on. Yeah, maybe that's where he got his, yeah, he was like, I need I, I need a, a shtick, something for people to go like, ha ha. Yeah. Something so like, not Moby has a gun. Not Moby? It's from uh, How I Met Your Mother. I know, but he's not anywhere in Moby. But he has a gun. I don't know. That, oh, that's a, that's just, a big <laughs> plot point. Like, not Moby has a gun. <laughs> Okay, I do remember that. Um, yeah, so he just gets his gun, as you do. Yeah, and he just like jumps with through. With his hook. With his hook. With his exactly. hook. Exactly. <laughs> like runs into the house, you know, some, some beating up, some gunshots. Some you guy jumps through the window. He's still trying to put his pants on. Shots are, are firing. Shots fire through the window of the truck that they're in. Shots fire and hit her mom's windshield. And it's like, at that moment, that it's 100% like you're like, gunshot, sorry, gunfire is happening. But you're like, my mom's car. Like <laughs> it's exactly the mindset of you being 17. Like I can't even put into words what's happening right now, but I know it's going to get me in trouble. And that's, what's going to get me in trouble <laughs> is there's a gunshot and the, the, the windshield of my mom's car. So they make a run for it. They go and jump. I don't know if they know it's the, the guy who's cheating's car and he's going to try and get away. They just get they into just the, find an unlocked car. An unlocked car. And then so he's getting ready to chase them. And then there's already someone getting ready to steal that unlocked car. And they, that's where they find themselves. I thought that was great in that moment there. I just really smiled when I, oh, of course. It's been a while since I've seen it. I didn't, you know, I kind of know most of the 
vague set pieces, but getting from A to B. I don't feel like there was ever just a maybe once or twice like I see the kid like or there they come or you know there's a couple of those (laughs) moments, but most of the time there's a pretty clever transition. True, true, true. There is, Um, yeah. So we got guy still in the car. Um, she doesn't really get it. And then she, she does lose it. She's like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, you know, now I'm going to be babysitter. You take, you take your medicine. You don't need your chocolate. You're getting zits. Like you shut up. Um, everybody hates you kid. And, (laughs) but so we find ourselves like a true ally, um, in this character and, and, uh, Joe Gibb. And he, he wants to see them get where they need to be safely, but he also has a job to do. Like he's in the line of dangerous work. He is kind of like, like kind of I was later on in the movies. Like, what do you think I'm gonna do? Like, I'm a car thief. You think I'm gonna like murder four children? Like, that's a that's a next level. But of course, then we meet, you know, Doctor Doctor Naked Stab guy, and he's like, uh oh, like the four kids know about our spot. Like, kids have great sense of directions. They'll be able to find this place again if we just take them and drop them off on a corner somewhere. So we have to murder them all. <laughs> <laughs> Kid, guy, take it down a notch, you know. Right. It's like, um... They, they don't, don't know where they are. They don't really know where they are. They don't really know what's happening, truly. They're not from the city. They, they don't... They have no clue. They have no interest in bringing down your chop shop operation. But they I do... I do love when they drive into the chop shop and everybody's mm-hmm. just grinding things. I'm pretty sure just to make a pretty awesome slow motion uh, mm-hmm. sparks fly. But yeah, so everything... And then I was just like, why are there so many guys in suits? <laughs> why are there so many guys in suits in this chop shop? Like, and they don't, they're, they're not like greasy, slimy suits. It's like just Irving from accounting is what it looks like. You know, it, it, it doesn't make any sense what this, this operation is. No, I think you'd be like in the back of an Italian restaurant or the back room of a strip club or something to do the real, you know, heavy lifting for the higher ups in the car theft ring. Yeah, you're not in you the, the chop shop. No, because you don't want, even though he, they dismissed them for the day, which just seems funny to me that they have a shift. <laughs> There's a bell that rings. A bell that rings. They all go clock out. Yeah, exactly. So strange. Um, but yeah, like it still seems like you want there to be some levels of knowledge and you don't want the guys that are actually doing the chopping to, to know the whole deal. Yeah, one guy, he's kids introducing himself like, you know, he's being a nervous, nervous, whatever. And the guy has an Eat Richard shirt. It's Eat the Rich. Eat the Rich. Eat the Rich, yes. I, I totally thought it was just like an Eat Dick shirt. No, no, it says Eat the Rich. That's funny. Because I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent. I know you have a heart out here, so but I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent. We rode the Men in Black ride at uh, Universal Studios mm-hmm. this weekend. And you have the Fast Pass line versus the not Fast Pass line. And you fight each other to see who wins and i always thought i'd be part of a class war at some point but i never thought it would be on the rich people's side (laughs) i always thought i'd be the one storming the bastille i never thought i would be part of the establishment uh that's what being in your 40s is guys you're not punk anymore sorry 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 okay this all comes down to a playboy like Everything would be fine if you just had a legal pad. Like, can we get a ledger? Right. Like, why? Yeah. Why are we taking notes on a Playboy? Like, I'm sorry. I know you're trying to multitask, apparently, (laughs) but it seems like you wouldn't be truly focused on your Philly order or whatever it is. Like, if you're going back later to do what Playboys do, then all of a sudden you got notes all over it. Exactly. Yeah. You cannot. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. They uh, they say that you really can't truly multitask, that it's really a myth, that you should just really concentrate on one activity and then move to the other. You got one hand on the pen, one hand on the phone, one hand somewhere else. You're running out of hands. Yeah. No, I don't think that works. Yeah. So they have, we have a daring escape. Like it's, this is the beginning of like your Truly your suspension of disbelief. This is some pretty great set pieces, though. Oh, oh, yeah. They're fantastic. So they, like, are walking across, like, you know, girders across the top of the, the, the ceiling supports and to get out of a window. And, of course, Daryl. Daryl. <laughs> Daryl steals the Playboy because his Playboy got thrown out the window because Brad's like, dude, be cool. And I guess he's got to, you know, one, he wants it. Also, he's got to replace it with his dad's. So he steals it. And that's the whole whole reason anything else happens the rest of the movie like they if that hadn't happened if daryl hadn't been such a daryl um then yeah we wouldn't have any issues at all the scene where he or where she knocks the dust or the rust or whatever into the guy's coffee Mm -hmm. drinks it and like 
Mm, gets a good smile. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what is a nice little favor? But like Joe, Joe Gibbs, who's the driver, who's kind of been told to watch them, like he sees this as all happening. You know, he lets them, he lets them go. He's kind of like, oh lord, like let's see what happens. But he likes this girl. He think he, he sees does. this girl. She's she's something else. You know, like these kids got themselves in. And, and he's he's enjoying the the show. Well, and also too, he's like, well, this is an interesting part of my life. I kind of have a grind too. I, you know, um, hotwire some cars, steal some cars. Like this, this is an interesting evening. This is not in the norm. So there's a lot of white guys in suits around. And mm-hmm. I think earlier on, she says, like, did you steal all these cars? And he's like, yeah. You're so- <laughs> <laughs> like, can we get a few more guys out there stealing cars and a few less guys in the in the middle there? Yeah. There's way too much middle management in this chop shop. I agree. I agree. Yeah, if he's having to steal all the cars, like four Ferraris to whatever, like three Porsches to whatever. <laughs> There's too many cars for one guy to be on the street stealing in Chicago. Yeah, he's working really hard. Oh, yeah. So they, they get out there. You know, they're not too much of in a hurry like i'm like all right let's get away let's get away from the scene uh but get they're around a, just a big two turns get in, you know just get, a, a couple blocks get quick get quick they'll never find you right you know because there there's so many so many uh trash can fires to be distracting <laughs> you like is that really a thing downtown i mean i've seen a few trash can fires at like events when it's really cold but i actually read a little bit up on that um this was filmed the exteriors were all filmed in toronto Ooh, it was really cold the toronto sanitation department was like, so good they kept on coming to their scenes and finding out all their scenes have been cleaned up and having to find more garbage <laughs> to make it look like chicago That's... it was a real problem that the you know toronto sanitation people were just ruining their sets between takes that's hilarious like, let's go to lunch like what who cleaned up the scene <laughs> that's hilarious Okay, so then they get away, sort of. They get found, and they're chased, and they they get chased into the backstage of a blues club. And another thing that's just like, really? Like, nobody leaves here without singing the blues. I love it. I, it's just a setup to get them a chance to sing. I know. And the song is great. The song is really the only thing I remember from true, this movie. True, true. Except for them hanging on the thing from the poster, which they don't do. So the song that's is... That's true. They don't. Maybe that was something that was cut. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she she's like, I can't sing. So she just starts telling out their night, and they add the beat, add the the riff under it, and it becomes, you know, she becomes a hit. She's selling selling it to this this uh, crowd of blues goers. And we give Anthony Rapp a chance to sing. Oh, yeah, a little bit. First time in his career. Yep. Who would have thought that that moment right there was like the launching? <laughs> yeah, so it's fun. We have a very you know very BB King kind of look to this guy, and uh, so they dance them off stage. It made me think of Skull's Rainbow Room, mm-hmm. that the door to the alley just went right onto the stage. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have ever, it's a kind of a famous Nashville attraction on Printer's Alley. And yeah, you just, the alley is, the door goes right onto the stage. They do burlesque nights there a couple of nights a week. And there's nothing quite like seeing burlesque dancer just standing in the alley waiting for her cue. <laughs> That's that's the best show in town, <laughs> and it, it can get pretty chilly while they're waiting. So, do you have anything? I've got. We're in the the Silver Dollar Room, which I want to see if that's a thing, either in um, in Toronto or, or in Chicago. Chicago mm-hmm. See if that's a thing. I'm curious. I'd be like, I'd like to look up what some people think about representation in this film, because we do have a lot of non-white characters, right, from various socioeconomic status. And I think this scene. I don't know. I mean, maybe. Everybody's looking threatening. Maybe that could be a problem. We've got a real problem earlier with the uh, with the homophobic joke, but there's also, like I said, a lot of non-white. The the uh, street worker, the um, sex worker, prostitute at the that's talking to Daryl. Yeah, I think kind of okay. has a human story to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's an interesting dichotomy there. Probably more so than it's it's not as white as Home Alone. No, it's definitely not as white as Home Alone, and. Yeah, I think there's a there's a little bit of a problem with the play that like they find themselves in a in a blues club that is primarily black and they they are they are scared. I they're mean, scared, that, that but feels... also it's tough because they they're scared already. They've been they're mm-hmm. being chased. They have every reason. They're just trying to get out of there, and then they've been kind of told like you can't leave. Right. That's a little bit of a panic is and situation. But I mean, no one is no one in there is threatening them. And they do win them over. And it's like, I always, 
struggle with that too. It's like, ah, you know, <laughs> the cool white kids. Like, okay, really. I'd like to look up someone who's not like us and their take on this, maybe for going deeper and, and to see what they think about it. There's bound to be someone who's written some criticism. Yeah, of this. yeah. I think that I think that'd be worth talking about. You know, I think our heroes. I mean, Joe Gibb is our hero. Is our hero, really, truly, and. Um, and a person with disability with an OR. <laughs> true, true. I mean, a little bit of crazy eye, but... Uh, oh, yeah, lots of crazy eye. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so we we have... I appreciate that we are none of our... We don't have a white knight. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's truly perfect. Maybe they're trying to make dude at the end, but he didn't... I mean, he, he helped them. He did not save them. Um, I think everyone who truly saves them has very checkered characteristics, which I appreciate. So next thing I have was we're on the train. Yeah. I mean, that's when I'm like. It's like, this is beat it. This like, is just happening right now. Totally beat it. <laughs> the, the or West Side Story or something. But I mean, everybody or the Warriors. I don't know. These these gang members have uniforms. They do. They have colors. They have a vibe. Um, they didn't snap at anyone. But, <laughs> but, they, but they did like just. They're, I think it's hilarious that they're acting like they aren't even on the, the car. Like they're they're calling each other out as if there's no one. I mean, they don't care. But I also don't think like they're really interested in having some violence on people. Like, are they even going to really have violence on each other? Like, it kind of feels like they're not that into like stabbing one another truly. But I do have a little bit of side back to the bus bus station when Brenda's trying to buy a hot dog. And there's just like this whole like, check situation there's a lot of conversations about checks i'll write you a check well this check is good like her mom wrote her this check and then i bought she signed it she over signed to it me. over to me and i can just sign it over to you and have you ever had anybody sign over a check to you i don't think that's a thing is it yeah it is a thing really yeah because i mean if i like endorsed a check mm-hmm. i'm at at the time like someone else could cash that endorsed check oh i'm not I'm not messing with any of that nonsense. I don't I'm, think it came I'm on, now. I'm on side of, I'm on wiener guy side. Oh, I agree. But at the time, I think that was totally fine to do. Now, no. Now, not at all. No, um, I mean, I think he could have maybe helped her out with a hot dog, you know, but uh, yeah, I don't think his, that's not an appropriate form of payment. Is, I mean, we just needed an opportunity for him to say, like, you slide me the cash and I'll slide you the wiener. I don't have cash, then I don't have a wiener. <laughs> so what? That back and forth is. Yeah, was it, you slip me the cash, I'll slip you the wiener. Was I what I said? You said slide. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, it, it. Yeah, it has some whatever. Then we get to a frat party. I said frat parties in the Huey Lewis era need a lot of room on stage to get the band up there. True. I mean, our frat parties had like Afro Man or you know one or two guys. Nobody ever had like a sixteen man orchestra. You know, the full on <laughs> well, every, uh, squirrel nut zippers are everything has got to be the blues here. We're in Chicago, <laughs> right? There's no other music but blues in the Chicago area. That's what it seems like, except for some maybe Ronettes at the beginning. Um, but yeah, there's even blues at the frat party. Um, got mullets and Playboy. Daryl thinks he's Anthony Michael Hall. Was that Yasmin Bleeth? Which <laughs> found out it was not. It was what, Lolita Davidovich? Something like that, yeah. But then I also have here, like, this is when the kids go back to kind of sucking. Like, Daryl sucks here. It's like, we've already been through so much. We are, we still haven't gotten the, the full solution yet. But don't you think at this point we could just get with the program and everybody stick together and everybody just do what they need to do for, so we can get out of here unharmed. Like, how do they just not get it? Like, <laughs> I know perfect you, time to keep your head down. Like if we learned anything tonight, right. like, just, just stay anonymous. <laughs> right. Let's, let's go and like act like we're going to drink beer with the, with the cool dudes and then go and hit on a chick as if you're going to get lucky with a college girl when you're 15, which I guess is what Anthony Michael Hall does. But yeah, it's it's not gonna happen. And then a little later, again, Sarah, like we then we we, we go to the La Pop Bleu. He's like, I'm gonna go steal food, go look at toys. Like this is not a like, you are traumatized for the rest of your life. You're gonna be going through a decade of therapy to deal with this. Don't go look at toys. Right? You're like, this is fun. This is fun. Um, I was like, yeah, like I don't I don't get this. Like, why does? I mean, the bunny thing with the little twitchy nose was pretty cute. I didn't even notice any of the toys. I was still just exasperated. Like, who cares? It's a closed. It's a closed toy store. 
I mean, the fact that like, I know that she clues in, she's like, look at the toys, look at the toys. We're driving the car. Like, um, I'm sorry. No, they just all don't get it. And I, I'm sorry. Like, I think that kids would just be like falling in line. They may be like crying and you're dealing with that, but they're not going to be like, oh, I'm just going to go off my own now. It's cool. And of course, the fight at the French restaurant, like French restaurant. Is there anything in the 80s and early 90s to, <laughs> you know, just to say fancy and expensive? That's just how you say it as you say French restaurant. I guess. Yeah. And the fact that it's called like Le Pot Bleu, like it's, <laughs> that's it's like a diner. Yes. That's the name of a diner. But no fancy French maitre d' or whatever is going to put up with you having a fight and no. screaming and whatnot at the restaurant. They'll be like, out, you know. Absolutely not. I mean, we've been to Chicago. We know what it's like to be Mr. Abe Froman, the sausage king, and you get asked to leave. You can't can't put up with that at a, <laughs> at a fancy restaurant in Chicago. And then they're chasing her, and they do the classic. They've misplaced Sarah because she gets a an eclair. She goes and looks at kid, uh, toys, and the bad guys find her, and they're going after her because she has a Playboy in her backpack. But so they do the thing where they're running after her. She has a Playboy in her backpack. Where everybody can see. And at no point does anyone be like, why does a seven-year-old girl have a Playboy magazine <laughs> in her backpack? It is so visible constantly. Correct. Oh, yeah. There's a Playboy ad outside of the French restaurant. <laughs> Can't be that classy of an area. I've never seen a Playboy ad. I mean, I know I know what we're doing. It's Chicago and it's the 80s. I mean, that's where the Playboy club was. So maybe it's a and different I, era. I mean, I know we're also trying to put her face with Playboy Every- anywhere we can. Because, oh, yeah, that's what we talked about. Like, supposedly she... The, the playmate of the month looks just like her, which is just an extra layer of things. We did completely skip over Thor, but let's let's move on. Sorry, you were talking about her being chased. Yeah, she's being chased. And so Brad, Daryl, and Chris are chasing her. And they're going, Sarah, 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 Sarah. Like the way you just like <laughs> say someone's names, name a hundred different ways as if that's going to be what gets their attention. Yeah, okay, so we can circle back to Thor. We did skip it. Yeah, completely. we did completely skip, which is Vincent D'Onofrio with in a huge blonde mullet <laughs> and the best shape of his Man. life. He is not, this is not Full Metal Jacket, Vincent no. D'Onofrio. This is not eating spaghetti, Vincent D'Onofrio no. now. I mean, this is. He's in really, really good shape. Yeah, I wonder like what his what his trajectory was, what he was doing before this, like um, role-wise, because he's not even just like, you know, he's not what Jack- jacked is today, and he's still kind of a slim guy, too. And he becomes a pretty big guy, you know, late- later on, even when he's fit. Uh, but, yeah, this this blonde wig they put on him to make <laughs> him look like Thor, because then Sarah's, like, obsessed. She's like, it's really Thor. It's his, like, alter ego, His um, you know, and he just doesn't know. And she she appeals to him in that sort of way, and he, he breaks because they're $5 short, and they let them have the car anyway because – you know, she calls him his hero, her hero. I'm going to argue like now he's got to store a car for a couple extra days till someone's mom comes back with the money for five. Like, just give the kids the car. Come that seems on. Like, like a pain. Five dollars really doesn't seem like. No. M- what's my time worth? And <laughs> yeah. It's taking up space that another car could be going in this weird body shop that he has like under the bridge. I mean, <laughs> it's creepy as hell. With his weird like hydraulic entrance. <laughs> Well, of course, he's a superhero. Gotta I have. I guess him. if I guess if I had a body shop and maybe I would enter like that. <laughs> I don't know. A big music swell and smoke because hydraulic lifts don't have smoke. It's not. No. You'd have to get your own. You have to get a separate smoke machine. That smoke juice is expensive and it's hot. I don't think we realized that. Oh man, yeah. I yeah, kind of got burnt. Disco and burned got, like, this past summer. I was like, woo. <laughs> like I don't need that to happen. How do you get this burn on your leg? <laughs> From part, from raving, <laughs> from partying, partying <laughs> with glow in the dark light uh, paint on my face. <laughs> oh my gosh, we just have brocade dresses. Like we get, we get to the party. What what is that? You're the fashion girl. Like what is that? I think there's two girls in the same blue dress with the silver on them. She's got mom's got gold all over it. What in the world is going on there? There's just, I mean, I think that's. I'm thinking of fashion designers at the time, but also I'm thinking about like Dynasty and Dallas mm. are very popular at this time. Is it LeMay? Is it stitching? Is it, it's stitching. The, it's it's stitching. stitching. It's stitching on top. It's it's brocade is like your when you think of like a heavy, heavy um, 
curtain. Mm-hmm. You know, that's you've got a pattern, uh, a, even a design that's like stitched on top. So that's stitching on top. And so okay. there was something at that time. I mean, being metallic, there's, there's probably some level of lame, uh, but that's just yeah. I think the, the whatever at the time moving to to the brocade. Do you remember having? Do you remember seeing? You probably wouldn't have had it because it was more of a girls thing. Those jackets that like had the different pieces they had like a rose on the back or they're like different pieces of like slightly muted but metallic pattern and just like all these different like patchwork um, i think you might need to look that up for me for going deeper okay. I, I have no concept of what you're talking right now i don't know if maybe you'd show it to me and i'd get it i think or... you would i think you would but i think that that just mixture of pattern and kind of texture was becoming very popular at that time and yeah but like all the moms had it like that that's kind of the thing like you have like the evening dress yes you know because you have the same people working in the at this at the company and everyone's the same socioeconomic class and so everybody's gonna be wearing kind of basically the same thing yeah i guess i've just never that i was so young that i would not have been seeing people going out at this time but it also goes with like so at her at the beginning it's the same kind of thing. She's wearing like a velvet, a dress that has like kind of two pieces. It's a velvet top and then it had a patterned bottom to it. So same idea. Like it was a little metallic, but hers was a little, it was shorter and a little bit floofier because she's younger. Um, but I think that's the same idea. All of those Christmas pictures that people took with those velvet dresses, like that's kind of the same jazz of the time. Gotcha. Gotcha. I just have, now we're in Nakatomi Tower. Right. Yes. I mean, they don't really got to do a good job of closing off construction sites. No, there are like open windows. (laughs) Right. For little girls to climb out of. Just like press the button on the elevator. Uh, No, I'm not. No. I'm not buying that. Somebody's got that thing shut down. You need a key or something. Maybe not. Maybe that. Maybe this is why. Maybe they found that dude out there. <laughs> He's like, there's kids. <laughs> They're like, sure. And, and Playboy magazines with car thieves and everything is just, sure. everything's really bad. <laughs> I know I'm stuck out here. Like, maybe we should put a lock on this door. Maybe, maybe, maybe they should have like a keypad, you know, only select group of people can get in here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so there's a whole you get a post-it note on the thing. It says like, "Don't press this button." I, don't know. I mean, there's plenty of yeah things you can put on an elevator that keeps people from going up on the floor. You know, can't go to the penthouse just because you want to. But we know the code. <laughs> yeah, we have the hijinks of like her climbing out the window. Of course, you know all the right people see her outside of the window on the window. Uh, and so the bad guy and Chris and they're kind of racing to get there. Um, you know, our other bad guy, he tries to pull her up. Then he something happens with the rope. Then he goes out to get like I don't understand why he did that. That seemed dumb to me. But anyway, so then Brad saves the day. Brad, you know, lowers the rope and saves her. And they're hugging. She's still outside the damn window though. <laughs> can we can we come inside? Inside the building. Inside hugging. Inside hugging. Hugging is for inside only. We're not we're not clear just yet. And then we got uh, Joe Gibbs. He takes the playboy. He's like, dude, this is all we needed. Really? It's real. He's real chill. They wrote some notes. I don't know. It's above my pay grade. I just know it was like, I've been driving around, you know. Um, I could have been stealing cars all night, but there's just <laughs> one of me. But so I got to be the chauffeur for these these chuckleheads. But then Dr. McStabby is like, no, like, I'm going to kill all the kids. <laughs> it's going to be fun. He's like, dude, really? Like, why you got to make like, why you got to make a trail, you know? Like a pro, like, like we could just all go home. <laughs> right, right. It's getting late. Like I got, I got stuff to do. It's almost one a.m. at the time. I think it's close. It's yeah. getting close. Um, so, uh, he punches him in the face, drops the Playboy on him, um, leaves the dude out in the window, and they hightail it. And I said, I really want them to get together. I absolutely one hundred percent agree. I feel like they've been. He's been smiling at her mm-hmm. the whole time. I don't know how old he is, but maybe that that might be problematic but well she's 17 so it's kind of problematic no matter how old he is frat guy. but yeah. i don't think he's that he's probably the same age he's as the, the frat, same guy. Age as frat guy they just took a different different life i choice. think 100 percent. that's true okay. but yeah he, like, he even looks at the playboy and he's like oh you know he's like <laughs> no he's like you're you're prettier than she is yeah he's um, got a, he's, they've got way more chemistry they had tons of chemistry and she has lived a life in this night <laughs> she's not going back to some pasty frat boy who drives a jeep yeah <laughs> No, no, she needs a little bit more excitement in her life. I think this this makes more sense. 
The next thing I have is when they're at home trying to clean up everything. You have anything before that? You know, I just have cleaning frenzy. I can totally relate. This is me before a party, a hundred percent of the time. <laughs> I just said, "Girl, don't put the room temperature milk back in the fridge." <laughs> I don't even really think milk. I think milk smells bad when it's good. Let <laughs> alone it's been sitting out of the counter for eight hours. Let them sort that out. And then babysitters who are expected to do chores and clean house should be properly compensated. I agree. We have no idea how much her rate is. They haven't discussed it at all. I don't all. know why I've read an article about that. I think maybe reading erotic fan fiction about the babysitters club. Just kidding. I don't know. I don't know why I've read anything about there being required. That's a thing that. But I'm not maybe 100%, an etiquette guide. I'm not a hundred percent sure that they expected her to though, because they told Brad to clean up the pasta. He spilled the pasta because they left. They left like almost right away. Yes, yes, yes. And so I think her thought was like it would have gotten cleaned up. Like in a very simple sort of way, Brad would have cleaned up the the, the Too pasta. Many questions. Yes, let, let's just clean the slate. Everything went fine. Nothing unexpected happened. You know, clockwork. Gotcha. gotcha. I think I that think that's I've what that is. Red stories. I don't know why. Why did I get down this internet k hole of you know, like clean the bathroom while the kids are asleep? Like that's well, that's cleaning the bathroom is a different uh, mm-hmm. is a different pay grade. Uh, yeah, I and agree. And babysitting is making sure kids don't die and watching TV and eating popcorn and hopefully not getting stabbed by Michael Myers. Yeah, that's what, yeah. You know, maybe your boyfriend calls, but. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, and have pancake creations. I want to go there. Pancake creations? Yeah, it was on a sign. It was like, it, it, it didn't make any sense. It was just like breakfast and like pancake creations. Like it wasn't even the name of the place. It was just they were offering pancake creations. I'm listening. I know. Let's go back and look. I want to find out where that is too. Um, so cleaning for the, and then forgot. I said forgot dude come to return skate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Forgot I dude. Is that his name? Now? I guess. I don't know why I wrote that. That's. Um, the skate was a good device because they set it up. Yeah. I said this movie, most of the transitions, they set up pretty well. There's a couple moments in it, but most of the transitions are pretty well set up. Mm-hmm. Like, but I didn't, I kind of didn't think that it fit for her to be like, I don't understand, Um, you know, why, why, you, also why you're coming. Because she said, well, maybe, you know, I should, how can I get your contact information so I can pay you back? Yeah, Which, she's trying to hook up with him. He's like, no, thanks. Later. He's like, I'll, maybe I'll see you later. And then she's all like, oh, yeah, let me, you know, like, I need to pay you back. And and then he's like, no, really, because I'm interested in you. And she's like, well, you could have said that before. But I don't know. We I know we just had to get there in this in this kind of roundabout way. Because if they had contact info, he wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have showed up at the house, which is a little weird. But what was he going to do if she wasn't there and he was going to bring, he was going to blow the whole thing. Oh my goodness. He would have screwed it all up. All of it. And he like, I have this skate. It was in my car. Like he would have gone to jail. <laughs> um, <and laughs> this could have gone so wrong. Oh man. <laughs> it's going to have gone so, so wrong if it, the timing just hadn't been perfect. Uh, yeah. This is a different movie. So I'm, I'm in the credits now. You got anything else? Um, yeah, no, that's what I have. I love that the song returns. You have mm-hmm. a little bit of a bookmark. And that's, that's when I have my note of like, you know, what was the, the 80s fascination with the 50s and the 60s? I also think that this guy, this is the guy that Monica and Rachel bug bomb, I think. Mm. Maybe. Okay. We'll double check. I also think he might be the the dude and father of the bride. I'm not sure if that's the same person, okay. but that's in my head. Like They're very similar. We can, we can do some research on that. Okay. And I just have Ron Canada as one of the actors in this. And is, is he related to Ron Mexico? <laughs> Speaking of Courtney Cox, <laughs> it's a little bit of a Cougar Town reference. Speaking of Courtney Cox, we saw the, um, the most recent screen. Yeah, we did. And not bad. That was great. I mean, solid, solid B. Yeah, I mean, I that's not really my genre. I think I said to you, probably to the point, you and everybody else that we were with, and they were probably like, could you stop saying how juicy you thought this movie was? <laughs> but the sound effect, the sound work the sound was... Of, it's, it's pretty visceral. It, it's Ooh. definitely the the slowest stabby of blah. any of the stabby movies. Blah, blah. But... But plot wise, it was it was it it was right in tune. You couldn't have done it any better. True. They could have done it a lot worse. Yes. And then I'd like to know Joe Gipp, is he Calvin Levels? Is that Nevels? I can't read my own handwriting. Something Even if like I wrote that. it right, I still might have done it wrong. I'd be interested <laughs> to see what else he's done. Yeah, I, I thought he was really a great character. I liked his lacking of a subtle. His little just smirk was mm-hmm. great every time. That's great. And this film is still forbidden. This is a Film is owned by Disney. 
I was going to just stream it, but I got confused because when you go to Disney Plus to stream it, it is TVPG. It is not mm. PG or PG-13. This is on the official Disney streaming service, a heavily edited version of the movie. Yeah, so who knows what, what kids are seeing now. We definitely would have gotten the fucks. That, they, that wouldn't have been part of it. I'm curious as to how much Playboy is right. in there. Um, there's definitely, they've taken out all of the uh, the homophobic slurs, which I don't have a problem with. I don't even have a problem with really taking out the S, except I've been waiting 30 years to see her <laughs> say them. <laughs> like, what was that? What was it? I'm- I knew what it was, but I've just never heard it before. Never heard it before today. <laughs> I've never seen this movie unrated. Oh, there or, we go. Or, or un, whatever, uncensored. And we almost watched it censored again. We had to go to Amazon to actually buy the darn thing. Well, now we have it. And we can completely um, be the cool aunt and uncle and show everybody the unrated versions. Oh, my. Not unrated. It's rated. But the non-Disney Plus version. Uh-oh. <laughs> we'll, that, we'll stock it away. That'll, that'll be at, at Uncle Zach and Aunt Jenny's house? Yes. Oh, my. Okay. Yep. We're going to do it. All right. So what else you got, babe? I think that's it. All right, guys. Well, thanks for uh, putting up with us while we took a little bit of time off, and uh, we're back into it. We'll be back for probably an abbreviated going deeper. I don't think we left a whole lot on no, the this table one, for this one. No, this one's this one's good. There are a couple things we wanted to talk about, and, and then we'll we'll uh, carry on and let you know what we're going to watch for um, Valentine's Day. All right, guys. We'll see you later. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Oh, socials. Yeah. Um, Forbidden Cinema on Instagram, Forbidden Cinema Podcast at gmail.com. Bye, guys. Bye.